Above the horizontal. <laughs> Puts it away from McCulloch. Thurston gets the ball to Morgan. Morgan crosses the 20. Comes away to O'Neill. Melder scores. Melder scored in the corner. Can I kick it? Yes, I can. It's Above the Horizontal, a rugby league podcast run by a bunch of dudes who used to write for realsport101.com. I'm your host, Bo Nicholson. I'm joined by most of the team today. We have the Big E calling in from Norway later on in the show. Big shout out to the Big E, of course. He's holidaying with his parents over there, which looks awesome, by the way. And we have we do not have Miles Stedman, who is also overseas, I believe, for work this time. But I do have... Daniel Friend. Friendy, how are you enjoying your holidays? Hello, Bo. Yeah, enjoying them. Um, doing a bit of work and stuff as well. But um, yeah, miles overseas, hey? Must be lucky for some. Yeah, lucky for some indeed. Although I can't talk after being overseas for a while recently. Uh, Kieran Gibson, uh, most of your family's overseas at the moment. Uh, getting a bit of FOMO at the moment? Uh, maybe a little bit. I think they're getting a bit of FOMO. I'm missing out on all the, the Brisbane Grand Final fever. We've got two Brisbane teams in a Grand Final this weekend, so... Mum's been texting me that she's a bit annoyed that she's not here for it, but it does look pretty awesome over there in Norway. Imagine that. Imagine being in Norway and Iceland and seeing the stuff that they're seeing and then just being like, man, I wish I was in Brisbane. Like, that's like (laughs) a foreign language to Miles. Miles has no idea. Like, you may as well say, I'd rather be in Baghdad. You know, it just just does not compute for him. Uh, Chris Waring, you're also on holidays. How are you going, my friend? Yep. uh, Live from Baghdad. Just kidding. Just shout out to all our uh, Baghdad listeners. But yeah, uh, yeah, not too bad. Uh, that interaction then that Kieran was talking about uh, reminded me of uh, the video our good mate Andy sent today of the intro- the very introduction to Freddie in the 8th this week where Matt Thompson was just like, God, gee, it doesn't get better than this, does it? And then Joe was just like, you need to get out more. What about Christmas? But yeah, anyway. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was a bit of a, a, a train wreck. Uh Boys, let's start with Wildcard Awards. It's grand final week. We are very, very excited for that, of course, because unlike Joey, we actually do think it's maybe the best week of the year, if not for Origin, when it comes to the rugby league. Chris Waring, you've got a Wildcard Award for us. What do you got for us? Yeah, it's just a petty grievance. Um, and that's what this podcast is for, right? Just airing petty grievances. And Indeed, yeah. Yes. So it's just mainly about... Now, I still have a problem with the, the point system in the Dally M's. Uh, I think they, they, I don't know if releasing names for voters would be a good idea, but I just think that it should roughly represent like the best players this year and to finish top five, including the suspension players. So one and two, I don't really have, I don't have a problem with. Mm -hmm. I do have a problem with three, four and five, especially four. There's no way Nico Hines was the fourth best player this year. And some of that is amazing that I heard today on a, on another podcast, is that Nico Hines wasn't even in like the top five consideration for best Sharks players this year at their award ceremony night, but he had somehow sure. finished fourth total in Dalian points this year. And I just think it's because Nico Hines has this like very, he's like the anti Jerome Luai, like just everyone just loves him in, in media. And I think that's like, it just takes away from some of the, um, like the seriousness of the award. So, yeah, I just, I still think there's just a bit of refining to go in terms of having our Dalian actually reflect the best players this year and not just 
I don't know, players that are really good in bad teams or players that have like a positive media, I guess, reputation. Well, the three four five that you're talking about includes Scott Drinkwater, who was suspended and played in a team that came 11th uh, and probably probably was their best player by a fair stretch, it would be fair to say. Uh, Grant played for the Storm, who came third, but third was a bit of an underachievement for them. And it seemed like a pretty underachieving kind of year for him as well, maybe except for Origin. So I take your point. It's one of those things we talked about before where it's like, it's not perfect, the Dali M's. And it's actually quite important to have a player of the year ceremony and a coach of the year and all that sort of stuff. So it's important to have. It's not fucking perfect. I don't really know what the solution is, but I, I've got a feeling that the judges are part of the problem. And I think in the past, it's been people like Gordon Tallis, Corey Parker, Braithen Nasta, Michael Ennis. And you're like, oh, like, are these people like even watching the games? Like, like because they're doing their job and as a, as an analyst at the time, like they're watching the game, of course. But like, are they like really thinking about the votes until like maybe a five minute afterthought after the game? Or because like I wonder if you actually have like a proper judge who's not in the media and knows rugby league really well that it, that their one job for that game is not to cover it, it is to vote on it. So they're watching the whole game with that in mind. I wonder if that would change things a little bit because. I tend to agree. Yeah, they should get Peter Sterling to do every game. Like the NRL can just tell him he's doing it without letting him know beforehand, like with the uh, grand final <laughs> and the Clive Churchill. But seriously, he would be by far the best judge of it. Yeah, I don't hate that. I don't hate that. Friendy, any thoughts on that before we roll? Uh, not too much. The only thing with the um, like the Sharks thing, Nico not being in consideration for their best player, um, I think that's probably more to do with expectation and output rather than like because everyone expects Nico to be their best player. If he's yeah. not, then it goes to a worker like McGuinness or, or whoever it may be. Um, but I certainly agree he wasn't in the top five in the comp. No way. So, yeah, there should be a change. Yeah, it, it, the, the unfortunate thing about the way the Dalliams works is that if you have a team like the Panthers or the Broncos, who were the clear standouts this year, as we're about to talk about in the grand final, they take points of each other. You know, it's it's kind of... You know, like the Broncos ended up with the uh, five eighth of the year, one of the centers of the year, the front one of the front rowers of the year, and the lock of the year. And that you know, that's not even counting Walsh and Reynolds, who were also taking a bunch of points, which made it difficult for uh, the round twelve leader at the time, Payne Haas, to continue his vote getting, even though his form didn't wane at any point. Same problem with the Panthers. You got Cleary, and then you got uh, Edwards, and you got Yeo. They all ended up in the top ten. None of them can win it because they're playing a team that has too much competition. So I, um, and I wonder if, you know, Adam Fanua Blake having such a great year, Tohu Harris having such a great year hurt Sean Johnson by that one point, you know, that one point, the poor bugger. Um, like you, Chris, I am happy that Ponga won it. I thought he, I thought he was really great. I would have been happier with Johnson, but, you know, um, I, I agree there's, there's something that needs to be fixed there. Speaking of fixing, uh, my wildcard award is, basically the you win one you lose one and as a Queensland fan today we had some good news and bad news the good news in my opinion as a Queensland fan is that Billy Slater has signed on for a further three years and I think the average fan in Queensland the average fan in New South Wales will receive that fairly similarly which is that's good news for Queensland and then later on in the day we found out that Brad Fittler officially speaking has resigned 
from his post after six series and three three series wins uh, from New South Wales head coach. And again, I think the general consensus is from New South Wales fans is that that's quite good. Like, you know, he had a, he had a good time for a bit. That's waned. Now is the right time to move on. And Queenslanders are like, oh, shit. Like, you know, the grass is not always greener. They might get a worse coach, but they might get a better coach that has new ideas, that freshens things up takes the momentum from game three this year and really turns it on. So I would be curious to hear thoughts, uh, Kieran, as a Queensland fan, do you agree with me that we're happy about Slater and a bit worried about what New South Wales could do? Definitely am a bit worried about what New South Wales could do, but at the same time, it's the the premier competition for the NRL season. Um, At least I I think if you ask players, if if they can't win a premiership, it's it's something every kid that plays rugby league, they want to play Origin and it's... Um, it is held in the eyes of a lot of people as the pinnacle. I think in that sense, then I, w- I would prefer to be playing against the absolute best. So I-, I would like the best coach to be in the New South Wales job and then still say to, to be able to say that we can win. But yeah, it is a little bit worrying because you obviously do want to win and we don't know who New South Wales are going to bring in. They could bring in someone really good who could do the job and um, kind of start a bit of a, a dynasty for New South Wales. Um, there's been talks that it could be Gus Goulds and that would be quite worrying for us I think um I know he probably hasn't coached for a long time so I would still be a little hesitant to just to sort of say how that might go but um yeah we know what his track record has been like friendly and until this season uh you were of the opinion, and I think it's a pretty fair one, that it was justifiable to put Fittler in for 2023 or keep him because, you know, he had five series, three wins, two losses. Now he's had two in a row. So it's the right time. Do you agree with that? And who do you want? I'm assuming Gus would be, uh, you'd be licking your lips at that one. Oh, yeah. Imagine that. I'd be stoked if Gus got back involved as, as the coach, but I don't think that'll happen. Um I think his record's too good at that level and I, I actually don't reckon he wants to ruin that, uh, which is a possibility because uh, it's very even at the moment, the origin, I think. Uh, but, yeah, Freddie, uh, I don't mind that he's out the door, to be honest. Like, he's had a pretty rough couple of seasons um, as New South Wales coach, just made some glaring errors. I just kind of wonder what's happened to make him just resign. I don't really know what that meeting must have like what happened in that meeting. It'd be interesting to be a fly on the wall. It absolutely would be. I wonder if you got a tap. And uh, and Chris, you were somebody that was definitely of the opinion that Fittler had had his time. Watching as a New South Wales fan, you would have seen that New South Wales won the first two series under him. It was a big breath of fresh air. That, that huge loss in 2020 it seemed like a blip in the radar, though, when they flogged, the, flogged Queensland in 2021. But the the sun has set on on Fittler's origin career. It seems from a from a New South Wales point of view, do you see Queensland signing Slater for three years as potentially a similar kind of error that you know have had their first two great series wins? You know what you sign him up for three years now. Like a lot can happen in three years. Yeah, a lot, a lot can happen um, in Origin as well. It's a bit different to a, a club context where you know look at someone like the Serrano deal, the Bulldogs. Obviously, the first two years I think you know are not going to be that good because there's a context of building and whatnot. Where Origins like the pressures win now every year, and yeah, I think it. Uh, look, I, I, I think Slater's. Probably a better coach than Fittler is nowadays. Um, but yeah, same context that when 
um, sorry, put it in the previous context, when Fittler won, it was against Kevin Walters. A bit ironic that he's coached a team to the grand final now, but everyone kind of really thought that he didn't, wasn't really doing a specific good job uh, as Queensland coach. Then, but I wouldn't say it's a mistake, but yeah, it might be one to look out for. But I think it's contingent on whoever their new next New South Wales coach may be and whatever team uh, they select you know, whatever direction they're looking for, if they go back to some of the old reliables or if they're looking more towards the, you know, Bradman Bess kind of, you know, those kind of selections moving forward. So, yeah, it's hard to know really until, you know, whoever the next coach is and however the next series goes. Very curious to see how that one goes. Boys, moving on. Oh, sorry, boys. Uh, my phone's ringing. No number. Interesting. Um, I'm... I'm... I might just answer it. Just hang tight for a second there, boys. Cheers. Hello? Howdy, partner. This is Ivan Cleary. Oh, Ivan Cleary. I recognize that voice anywhere. Yep, that's me. I'm just calling you boys because you have some really great insights. And I'm hoping you can help me come up with a game plan to shut down the Broncos. Any thoughts would be great, boys. Thank you very much. Cheers, Ivan. Uh, yeah, that was Ivan Cleary, obviously, boys. Big shock. Friend of the pod. <laughs> big, big shock to get a call from Ivan. Uh, that was very obviously Ivan Cleary's voice there, boys. Boys, he, he's tasked us with a job. He's tasked us with a job. How how can the Panthers win? Now, obviously, we're going to pretend to be uh, assistant coaches for Ivan. Uh, you know, he's been very kind to call into the show. Ivan Cleary with that... Um, you know, very recognizably inconsistent accent that he has. So let's talk. Now, the Panthers have won the last two grand finals. They've been to the last three. This is their fourth in a row. They are clearly the best team in the comp. How can they make sure that they beat the Broncos? What sort of things, and Franny, we'll go to you first, and feel free to like just jump in, boys, whenever you have an idea or something like that. How are they going to shut down the Broncos Freddie, what's the first thing they've got to do? Well, thank you to Ivan uh, for his call and his question. Um, he sounds like the guy on uh, Where's the Gold, the poker machine. Um, <laughs> thanks, Ivan. Um, I think that uh, they just need to be Penrith and play the way they play. I know that's a very simple answer, but basically they play error-free footy. They make a lot of metres. Uh, the last two games between the two sides, uh, the, Brisbane for- uh, sorry, the Penrith forward pack has made... 300 more metres and 500 more metres than the opposing pack, the Brisbane pack. So uh, Carrigan, Flegler and Haas, and a lot of talk about them being the big boys for Brisbane and do a job on the Panthers, but they've got a lot of ground to make up to even get to level pegging. So uh, I believe, yeah, if Penrith just bang down that door in the middle of the field, Nathan kicks to the corners until he's, yeah, they, they just don't get bored. Um, so he'll just keep doing that. Brisbane are going to have to work it out um, and try and make some meters with, I don't know, whether it's your wingers or your forwards or whoever it may be, but they've got to try and get past oh, like 30, 40 meters every set as much as they can and kick to a corner and try and beat Penrith at um, that grind because, yeah, Penrith won't go anywhere and they'll just they'll just be Penrith. If you're in a Penrith planning meeting, though, you've the name Reese Walsh is coming up and whatever, whatever you do in terms of, you know, what you regularly do 
which is obviously elite football week in, week out. The thing that I've heard a lot about is, oh, geez, the Panthers, a lot of pressure going for a three-peat. In my opinion, they're not really under a lot of pressure. No. We know exactly the kind of football Penrith are going to play. We know exactly the kind of game that Nathan Cleary is going to deliver. With love him or hate him as a bloke or whatever, we know that minimum Nathan Cleary is going to give an 8 out of 10 game. And we know that Fisher-Harris is going to give an 8 out of 10 game. And Yeo is probably going to give an 8 out of 10 game. And Edward's going to give an 8 out of 10 game. Like that's just It's just part of who they are now. Martin's going to play, play a 10 out of 10 because it's a rep game, essentially. So I... But they, they would still be thinking Walsh. Yep. How? How do they stop Walsh? Because Walsh seems kind of unstoppable at the moment. Any thoughts? Yeah. So I do believe there's a couple of sort of ways to go about it. So Penrith have actually had... 400 and something more inside 20s uh, being tackled inside the opposition 20 than anyone else or whoever's second in that. And it might even be the Warriors or someone like that because Brisbane were about fourth or fifth in that stat. So realistically, they're scoring a lot of tries from deep Brisbane. Um, so Penrith love that, that they try and keep the opposition down the other end of the field. And I just can't see them making breaks from 40, 50 metres out against the Panthers um, without a heap of ball. And, and I can't see them getting that much ball. So I think that's part of it. When they do get a chance, because at some stage, surely they will, uh, I think the Penrith centres, Isaac Tungo, defensively is fantastic, but I reckon he's under an injury cloud. That that try the other day to Justin Nolan, that, that just doesn't normally happen. So he's going to have to get back to his best there. But the thing about um, generally the side Walsh likes to swing to is his right-hand side and throw a long ball to Cobbo or potentially Stags, depending on where they are. And Walsh, is his speed is elite off the mark. Like, it, it's insane. It's, it's yeah, Billy Slater-like back in the day. So that's something that worries everyone. But the big thing about Penrith and that left centre position, and I reckon it's deliberate from Ivan a few weeks ago, they put Stephen Crichton there. And generally when he defends, he likes to chase out to the sideline. He, he lets his attacker get on the outside of him and he chases out and runs him out of room and goes about it that way. Another person that did that this year quite successfully against Brisbane, even though they didn't win, Walsh was very limited. Bradman Best did that really well in that same mm. spot and Bradman has learned to use his speed and chase the opposing attacker to the sideline and run them out of room, basically. So I think that's what Crichton will look to do and defend him inside out. Uh, and then if he if he does get across him, then I believe um, to, oh sorry, Taruva will be there and he'll be jamming hard at Walsh. And if he manages to throw a, a nice pass, then then great. But I think Crichton will look to run him out of room on that side, and um, yeah, and Taruva will jam from the outside. So that that that'd be my sort of theory on how um, Ivan Cleary and Penrith will combat the threat of Reese Walsh. Chris, that sounds pretty sensible. The idea of you know, show them a bit of sideline and then have somebody that's going to jam outside in. But I feel like that only works if the whole, like, defensive line is working well. And I think that starts from your middles. So, like, Mitch Kenny, uh, James Fisher-Harris, Moses Leota, they have to work really, really hard in that middle to make sure that there isn't, like, an easy turn-under option for Reynolds or, or you know, Walsh to come back through the middle. And it gives you know, uh, like a Luai or someone like that, a chance to sort of slide if, if the inside defenders are working hard. Chris, from your point of view, would that be a successful way to shut down Walsh? And also, is Walsh the only threat that you're really worried about as a Panthers 
uh, advisor. Just want to say, well, we've got Ivan the line. Uh, why do you love the Tigers? First of all, secondly, why do you sound like Robert E. Lee? Uh, anyway, um, <laughs> in terms of actual, I guess, uh, like spontaneous threat, something that will most uh, challenge, like Penrith's very structured and very efficient defense is uh, uh, Reese Walsh's speed. In the words of Gus Gould, you can't speed is the number one danger. Which I, I mean, you just watch a game of footy. It's, it's. I think it's most true, right? Sometimes yeah. you just kind of count for someone who's so quick, especially like Reese Walsh. But yeah, I, I do like the strategy that Friendy alluded to. I think that I think for Penrith, I think it's just going to be not the panic, right? They, they may. If, if it mirrors the Warriors game, which was the start of the Broncos-Warriors final, which was honestly like some of the fastest-paced footy I've ever seen in a game, just how how quick the game was specifically moving. I think it's dependent if it's about, well, our specific defensive structures have got us here the last three to four years. Right, They're an extremely tough pack, and I think it is starting to be recognised now, but Mitch Kenny is like functionally like a third prop defending the front line. I think... Uh, it's going to be an interesting contrast to potentially the pressure uh, Walters is going to have to deal with. Um, I think it's just about not panicking, right? If if you're if you're losing meters, sure, right? It's going to happen, especially at the pace Broncos play at, and it's about letting them make that the mistakes because Brisbane are a relatively heavy mistake team. They do play at an extremely high level, and Penrith just have to rely. Well, yeah, we may we may be conceding fifty meter sets, right, or fifty five meter, blah 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 blah. But it's about Maintain that pressure. We have elite goal line defense. Yes, Reese Walsh is is going to roam, but he's also probably going to make an error, and that's I think Penrith uh, will rely on is their specific patience. With you know theoretically, if it's nil or in the seventy eighth minute, and an error comes up, well, there's that chance, and I think that's what Penrith's strategy will be. And in this hypothetical situation, that's what I would advise them. to uh, to the very Daniel Craig in Knives Out sounding Ivan Cleary. Uh, <laughs> so we've got. Uh, Kieran, you're also here. So, Kieran, you've got uh, some pretty good ideas from from Friendy and, and Chris about how to withstand a lot of attack there. How about attacking the Broncos? Because it's not like the Broncos are a terrible defensive team themselves. So we've uh, Friendy already alluded to the fact they've got Flegler, Haas, and Carrigan in the middle. When they go off, though, they still have you know Hetherington and Palacia that are coming on and doing a job through that middle as well. And I feel like Haas and Carrigan haven't played that many minutes recently and they've been building up towards this, uh, sort of coasting through it to make sure they have enough fitness. But how how will the Panthers be able to break down the Broncos? Is it as simple as what Chris is saying and what Friendy's saying, which is just keep doing what you've been doing? Or is it time to start throwing some different ideas at the Broncos? Uh, no, I think that... Panthers have been the best team the last four years for a reason. Um, they don't really need to try anything too far out of their game plan as it is. But I think a, a noticeable pattern in their game is that they really try to play through the ruck a lot, especially early on. They'll um, have a play where Cleary and he'll switch either side of the ruck on multiple plays. Like throughout the whole set, he'll go both sides. Um, and it really confuses the defense and they're turning, pirouetting around, turns the forwards around. Um, and it really tires them out. I think... I've joked about it a lot, but um, that that try that Cleary set up without his boot against the Warriors, that was a classic example of that. If you go back and watch that, they attack down the left and then um, change the attack to the right-hand side straight away. Mm. And, it, and it just turned the forwards around and they were scrambling and they were on the back foot. Um, that's Penrith's game to a, to a tee. 
And then because of that, it pulls the defense apart. And even if you're the best defensive fullback, um, it doesn't really matter. You can't really organize your numbers in time. So if they don't score through the ruck, then they have the numbers out wide and they have the class out wide to go to go and score. Um, but yeah, touching on, on uh, Reese Walsh and, and what to how to attack him and um, shut him down, I think the Warriors did, played it actually quite well to start the game last week. They peppered him with bombs and he looked pretty rattled, as you said, to, um, to start off the game. Obviously, he grew into the game and had a stellar game in the end, one of the best preliminary performances I've seen. Um, but that would be another game plan I'd be going after. But the, the one mistake I thought the Warriors made, and it's a, something that teams don't really do in general, is they'll, they'll put up a bomb, but they never really compete for it. And it, I don't understand it at all because it's, it's a free play. It's the last tackle anyway. If you knock on it, what disadvantage is it to you really? Sorry, just one sec. The Big E was just calling me on uh, WhatsApp. Big E, legend. Uh, you're mentioning... Um contesting for bombs so instead of instead of the idea of because I, I i to answer the question that you're talking about the idea behind the bomb into the corner or to box somebody in is to prevent uh broken play opportunities for that person so if you can if you consider a running threat like reese walsh selwyn cobo brian toto the idea is to box them in to make sure that as soon as they catch it they're fucking tackled and that eliminates that threat um so but so contesting for that ball while obviously creating a tri-scoring opportunity, reduces that threat. So what you're saying is the Panthers generally will try and reduce the threat, but you're hoping that maybe they'll put some extra pressure on Walsh to try and make the play. Well, yeah. I mean, now that you say that, that does make a bit more sense. And as I was saying, Reese Walsh looked a bit flustered last week. He he did drop a ball uh, early on from a bomb. So even if Crichton just puts that pressure on, he's much taller. Um, he would look quite... Yeah, intimidating was the word I was looking after, bearing down on, on Reese Walsh. Um, yeah, I think that that's a, a ploy to um, try and exploit. Um, but yeah, I, as I said, I, I think that the Panthers, just as everyone's been saying so far, just have to stick to their um, patient footy. So Ivan, if you're listening, more of the same, please. All right, boys, uh, thanks for that very much. Let's uh, let's, ro- let's ro- roll for... Oh, oh, again? Far out. Sorry, boys. It's it's a no, it's a no number again. I'll have to uh, I'll have to answer it. Hang on, just one sec. Just one sec. Cheers, cheers. Hello, hello, Vickets. This is the Kevin Walters. Kevin Walters, how did you get my number? Ah, yes, I got it from our mutual friend, the Big E. Ah, the Big E. The Big E stuck over in Norway at the moment. We'll hear from his phenomenal predictions soon. Yes, yes, yes. I was just listening in to this obviously live recording of your podcast as I was listening to Aunt My Phone. And you had some good ideas to give to Ivan. And I was hoping maybe you'll give some ideas to me too. Thank you, Kevy from the Weimark Republic. Uh, so let's let's do the same thing for Kevy Walters, boys. Let's see if we can let's see if we can get the Broncos over the line against the Panthers because that is the big challenge. Obviously, the Panthers are the team to beat. Uh, the Broncos have the juice; they have the ability. Friendy, I'll go to you first again. What are the Broncos going to do to help German Kevy across the line? Yeah, they got a Nazi as a coach. Um, <laughs> unbelievable. Um, yeah, I mate, I uh, I think they're going to have to stick to what they've been doing, and um, people keep calling it high octane footy. Is is anyone? Why is that? 
Where's the octane come from? Everyone seems to say it. I think it's just Reese Walsh, right? That, that'd be it, right? It's just high intensity footy. What's with the chemical element, the octane? <laughs> anyway, whatever. Um, yeah, just the high intensity footy, lots of offloads, um, really up-paced. But the issue with that is Penrith love to, to get in the grind and go set for set and keep the ball in play for long periods of time. So you're running the risk there of... Um, kind of playing into their hands if you make errors. If you don't and you can pull it off, guys like Walsh, he, he's he's a genius. He's his gun. Um, so they've just got to stick to what they're doing. Bang it down the middle. Billy Walters has been quite good. Um, Carrigan is just unbelievable. Haas, Flegler, they'll do their job. And then on the back of that, offloads and your speed men, Mam, Walsh, uh, and then your strike threats out wide in... Farnworth and Stags and and Cobo Arthur's. I mean, it's quite simple footy. They don't. They're not going to set up for big block shapes and these big orchestrated um, rehearsed plays. It's just going to be quite simple. Push forward, get the offload, and play off the back of that. Um, that's what they're going to have to do, and they're going to have to basically have a perfect be- performance because if they make too many errors and they're only completing at seventy or less percent. They're, they're no chance of winning the game. So the funny thing about the, the all the talk on every podcast, every show I've watched and everything, it's all about how can Brisbane beat Penrith. There's been not much said of how are Penrith going to beat Brisbane. Everyone's called like Pen. We know what we're going to get from Penrith. So Brisbane have got to play the perfect game. There's a few guys there that are they're, they're really rocks or diamonds. So they're going to be hoping to be on. Um, and I think experienced guys like Adam Reynolds will have a real job of calming them down this week because, um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I could see it going brilliantly or horribly wrong. I don't think there's too much in between. I think it's fair to say that we look at the Panthers and we, like like we did with the Broncos, you look at the Broncos and you go, Reese Walsh. That's your, that's, your, that's your main person that is the main threat. For the Panthers, it's probably Nathan Cleary. I think that's a pretty obvious one. Chris, how can the Broncos stop Nathan Cleary from just orchestrating this game into like whether it's a 12-10 win or a 30-8 to or whatever it's going to be, chances are Nathan Cleary will have his fingerprints all over it. How do the Broncos stop that? Oh, yes. Yeah, it's a million-dollar question. Um, I also want to address that just quickly before I get into the answer. Did you make a... Kev German because of his tea towel Ledenhosen. Is that why? <laughs> I didn't actually. I just liked the name Volters. <laughs> no, I, I, I mean, like, obviously that was Kevin Volters calling in. That was not me. Yeah. It's also very, uh, the professor, um, very avant-garde. It's also the dead silence afterwards are awesome as well. Anyway. Um, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's a, <laughs> I mean, it's a pretty hard question to address. How do you stop Nathan Cleary? Well, there's fucking 16 teams haven't yet figured that out um, in Clubland anyway. Um, look, I think I'd be interested to see that. I think the field position is going to be important. Uh, I'd be interested, something I might, I guess, they're going to try to force errors in their own end. I'd be interested to see, I think to deal with Nathan Cleary, you need to deal with Isaiah Yo. And I think mm. what I'm predicting or what I think they might do is try to adopt like a Queensland-style defence, kind of out and in on his AU, get him to think a bit, put some pressure on his actual playmaking 
ability in a way. Um, it does create potential to get the ball out the back and to gain meters more quickly. But I think they just need a to hurt Cleary. You need to hurt the players that he relies on specifically. Um, Isaiah Yo, I think, is a key one in attack. Yeah, and look, I, I mean, it's not really sending traffic his way doesn't really work. Cleary's, you know, he's an awesome defender. Um, I think it's going to be that. It's to, it's, yeah, specifically to impact Cleary. It's not so much him. It's, you've got to put off players he benefits from and that, that enables him to do his own game a bit. So um, I think Billy Walters, uh, everyone keeps saying Flegler, Haas and Carrigan, but I think um, Walters has a massive responsibility as well ensuring that, that specific middle defence. So do Capel and Ricky if they're going to get kind of outside in on as a you'll be put a bit of pressure on him. You just want to take time and space away from Cleary, really. Um, I know it sounds simple, but it's extremely hard to do. But I guess like the less time he has to work with, and the less the, if players around him aren't playing well, it, it, it impacts Cleary more because he is a very dominant, extremely dominant front runner, but uh, not as good as chasing. So it's going to have to rely on that. I think. I think you kind of alluded to the fact in your answer when you said sixteen other teams haven't managed to do it in clubland because there is a team that has managed to do it it's queensland and what do queensland and brisbane have in common is obviously they're filled with two head queenslanders for one but they're they're also they've got a they've got a forward pack that on paper at least can match it with the panthers they've got enough experience now plenty of rep footy under their belt a bunch of them are at the top of their tree including haas and carrigan who you know, very validly won Dalian Positional Awards the other day. That That is the blueprint, isn't it? And Kieran, going to you, you mentioned earlier that, uh, you know, one thing for Brisbane to be aware of is is Cleary's threat. Sorry, one thing that Panthers can do to score points is obviously Cleary sort of double dipping and going into the line and playing on, off tempo. But uh, you'll notice that a lot of the time he does that, it's on a third or fourth tackle. That's after, you know, Taruva, Edwards, and Toto have done the dirty work, or Fisher-Harris, Leona, of course. Uh, and then you've got play four, play five, play three even. Look for Yeo, as as Chris is saying, because Yeo, with that, the ability to pass so well, very often gets a quick play of the ball because you can't like double-team the guy too often. It's a risk because he can just tip off the back. Uh, or Dylan Edwards, who every single time he runs the fucking ball, he seems to get a quick play of the ball. I don't know how he does it, but every single time. A lot of the time, if they're kicking for territory, I'll notice that Dylan Edwards takes the preceding tackle because they just want that really quick play of the ball. He'll get you 10, 12, 15 meters. Quick play of the ball gives Cleary plenty of time to get a good kick away into space. And like Chris says, it seems to be a matter of how do we cut time down for Cleary, but it is also a matter of how do we cut time down for Yeo? Do you agree that it's a matter of jamming in from outside in, or is it a line speed thing? Like how how can they stop Cleary by stopping everybody else? And do you think the Broncos have the pack to do it? I think they have the pack to do it, but um, I, I've looked through these sides and I think matchup um, man for man, it, it's pretty even the whole way through. But um, as you were saying, that that Broncos forward pack can definitely match it with the Panthers forward back pack. But then as you were saying as well. Uh, or alluding to, I agree 100%. It's the impact of Taruva and To'o starting off and Dylan Edwards starting off the Penrith sets. You don't want them starting their sets on the on the 30-meter line and getting a roll-on from there. That'll that'll just um, 
fatigue the Broncos really quickly. Um, but I also agree you have to uh, defend outside in. And I think um, Herbie and Katoni Staggs, they did that brilliantly against the Storm. The Storm really tried to get on the, under the Broncos' skin in that first week of the finals. And I thought those two in particular, when the Storm were trying to get their attacking plays on, they they really rushed out of the line and, and put pressure on the inside playmakers. And they, they, they just didn't know how to make the right option when they were um, under that much pressure. And we're saying that Cleary is a front runner and um, yeah, I think if, yes, he'll stick to a, a patient game plan, but I think if you can put him under pressure um, with that outside in jamming defense, and the same with Yo. Um, people said that New South Wales pretty much lost that origin series because of that outside in pressure. And um, yeah, Yo just didn't have as much time to, to go into the line or if he did have that time when he was at the line, ready to pass the, the pressure of the outside players already being up at the players that he was looking to pass to was too much for him and, and he had to just take the ball forward. I think that's what you have to do. You have to cont- you literally have to just um, keep Penrith up that middle channel. Um, as good as their forwards are, I, I think the Broncos forwards are more durable and uh, probably a little bit fitter. Maybe that's a bit of a contentious call, but I think Payne Haas and, and Kerrigan could play 80 if they have to. Um, so yeah, that would be something I, I'd be looking to do. And, and for the Broncos, I, I'd be wanting to play... Um, up-tempo as they have been all season, um, fast play the balls, offloading footy, late offloads especially. There was one Adam Blair did in the grand final against the Cowboys, and it was that late. Like I, I honestly thought that he had already been tackled almost, watching it live, and Corey Oates goes and scores a, a full length of the field try. I, I'd be looking to do that if, if the play is on. Obviously, we're saying that the Broncos make a lot of mistakes, so you want to be careful with that. But the nows of Adam Reynolds and speed of, of Reese Walsh to – then uh, exploit a, a retreating back line if they can get some offloads and quick play the balls going would be, it, as good as the Penrith defense is, that would be something a, a challenge for them to keep out. I love that uh, on a, a week of joy and anticipation for Broncos fans, you couldn't help but make it about the Cowboys and the fact that the Cowboys beat the Broncos heartbreakingly in the grand final. I love that for you. That's And you did it with a valid point too. That's that's a, that's excellent work, Kieran. Uh, boys, if you have any other thoughts about Broncos or Panthers, let's hold it for predictions. Uh, let's have a small little break. We're going to hear from the Big E all the way from Norway with his phenomenal tip of the week. And we'll be back soon to give our predictions for the NRLW and NRL grand finals. Cheers, boys. Bye. <clears throat> G'day boys, this is the Biggie again. I am also again going to do my Biggie Phenomenal Tip of the Week. Yes, I'm still working on that bow. Um, <coughs> anyway, um, the first up is my wild card. I am going to say congratulations to New Zealand Warriors to make it into the Pyrenees Finals. Well done for them. And for my biggie pinolo tip, tip of <clears throat> my biggie pinolo tip of the week, I am going to tip the Broncos again with the Perry Thunders. Broncos 150 plus. And um, for my book prediction, I am going to say three players for the Broncos. I am going to say Curry Oates, Rhys Walsh, and Good Kate where will get a winning try. And the captain Adam Weddles will get a winning goal. And yeah, good luck with them. I hope they they will win the finals. They will smash the Panthers. Na 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 na. Hey hey hey. Goodbye Panthers. Anyway, uh, that is the biggie. Um, that is my biggie. Been on the of the week for the uh, 2023 Grand Finals. And same again in round one in 2024. 
Here we come. Cowboys, 124 plus. Biggie out. What would? Welcome back to Above the Horizontal. We've just been talking about my comic genius with the uh, with the, call, the genuine call-ins from Ivan Cleary and Kevin Walters. Very recognizable voices, of course, from those two. I'm joined by Chris Waring, Daniel Friend, and Kieran Gibson. And we just heard from Kieran's brother, Owen, the big E, with his phenomenal tip of the week. And we need to do our own tips. Let's start off with the NRLW. That's the uh, the Knights, who were the reigning premiers, of course, and the Titans do not sleep on the Titans. They came third, fourth, third, and they won their way through to this match. So it's, uh, I think, pretty clear that the Knights are the favourites. You know, they've got Jesse Southwell, of course, at halfback. Dally M, NRLW winner, Tamika Upton, uh, and Caitlin Johnston in career best form. Yasmin Clydesdale was a second rower of the year as well at the Dally M's. So they, they are obviously in great form. The Titans themselves, of course, have Shannon Marto, who was a uh, a prop forward of the year at the Dally M's. Uh, Jamie Chapman's in great form. Ivania Paletti at, at fullback's done some pretty unreal shit included in that uh, in that semifinal against the Roosters. Friendy, you're a Knights man. And mm-hmm. you you are obviously stoked to have them in two grand finals in a row. Do you have confidence that the girls can get it done? I'm much more confident this year, I think. Uh, I didn't think they'd quite get it done last year, but they managed to, so well done. And then I think this year they've been brilliant the whole tournament. So congratulations to them and congratulations to the Titans for making it to the grand final as well. And, and if they defend like they have recently – they're, they're every chance, but yeah, I'm, I'm pretty confident with the names you've just rattled off there for the, the women's team for Newcastle. Um, there, there's some stars there, uh, yeah, specifically young Southwell and Upton. Uh, they are, yeah, and, and Kaylin Johnson, mate, she's just a terminator. Um, yeah, so very confident and uh, I'll be watching with interest. The thing about Johnson is that she has replaced Millie Boyle. They haven't missed her which is pretty incredible because two years ago she was a, a joint Dally M winner herself uh, and, you know, led them to a, grand, a, a premiership last year. She goes to the Roosters and Johnston has just stepped the hell up. I didn't even mention people like like Hannah Southwell, of course. She's a, she's a wonderful player. Shanice Parker did really, really well this year as well. Some really great moments out at centre. Uh, so can I get a, a couple of tips from you, boys? Uh, can I get a tip from you, Friendy, regarding... Maybe a margin, and who do you think will be the standout player, the, the player of the match? Newcastle by fourteen, and Tamika Upton to be player of the match. So do the uh, the the double, the the grand final player of the match, and Dali M. Yeah, uh, she's a gun, mate. There's pretty little argument, I think, that she is uh, like a top five player, absolutely in the competition. There's a few good names there, of course. I, I really like Taryn Aiken from the Roosters. Uh, Millie Boyle's a good one too, of course, but she's. Unreal to make it up to in great form. Chris, uh, same for you. Um, how do you see this one going with a, with a margin and a, and a player that you're keeping an eye on for player of the match? Uh, yeah, I think too much game day or big game experience. I'm going to go Jesse Southwell. Titans probably might have played their grand final last week, so I'm going to go by a margin of 18. I think the Knights will probably win fairly comfortably. That, Kieran, that sounds suspiciously like people sleeping on the Titans. What are you going to be doing? Um, I'll be tipping the Knights back off the off the back of their um, star power, but I do think it'll be a little bit closer. I, I'm going to say Knights by a margin of one to ten. 
Um, but I also th- I think Tamika Upton will be man of the ma- or uh, player of the match. So to commit at an exact margin, so we can see who's closest. Like, what what do you reckon you're gonna go for? Ten points. Ten points. I'm gonna. I'm, I, I I did it with very little confidence last week, backing in the Titans girls, and I'm gonna do it again this week. I agree with you guys. The Knights are clear favorites uh, across the park. Basically, every position they've got the advantage in in most of them. I would say. Uh, but I don't know. There's something about the Titans. They, they have the coach of the year too, Karen Murphy. Uh, congratulations to her as well. So uh, no real injuries for either team. I'm going to go for the Titans. I think if they are to get it done, it'll be a bit of a grind. So I'm going to go Titans by four. And I am going to back in Ivania Paletti to be the player of the match. So three of us have gone for fullbacks. One of us has gone for a halfback. That sounds pretty consistent with how big games go. And uh, I'm just, I just refuse to sleep on the Titans. The NRL game, of course, we talked about it a bunch. It's the Panthers and the Broncos. It will be later that night. So the NRLW game will be at uh, 2.55 on Sunday and 6.30 will be the Panthers versus Broncos after the uh, Tina Turner experience. By the way, sidebar, did you guys see like the best, right? Of course, it was like an old, uh, old theme song for the grand finals in the early 90s. Tina Turner sang it. Having Del Finucan do it, at the Dalians for the Immemorium part. Great idea. I, I think it's a great idea. Except for the line, when you're talking about a bunch of dead people that you're... Yeah, at the end. <laughs> I'd like, rather be dead. And they I'd are dead. I'd rather be dead. It's like, oh, mate, what is going <laughs> yeah. on there? They, yeah. have, they have not thought that one through. Well done, NRL. I noticed <laughs> that last night. I was like, well, someone's fucked up royally. Yeah, and like <laughs> I think I think I think Dale kind of worked it out because I, he kind of mumbled the line because it's it's part of the chorus. It's like the last line of the chorus. So like every you hear it three or four times, uh, and he kind of mumbled it a bit because I think he's kind of like, oh, this is this is a bit shit. He might have realized like on stage, <laughs> just be like, ah, shouldn't be doing that anyway. Classic NRL. Well done, Peter Valandis. Uh Yeah, <laughs> Pan- Panthers Panthers versus. Panthers versus the Broncos. If you believe some of our friends, the fix has been in all season. These are the two teams. These are the teams that uh, for months have been the very clear favorites to be in this position. Here they are, both very deserving in my opinion. I'm very conflicted because if there's a team I hate more than the Broncos, it's the Panthers. So I'm I'm at a loss. I, I would, you know, I would rather have 15 other teams here. But in terms of a narrative, it's interesting because uh, you know, it's exciting to have a new team there, potentially a new premiership, because we we haven't seen a, a premier difference for the Panthers since 2020. But at the same time, the narrative is there for the Panthers. You know, we're talking about like they're already a truly great team. I think there's little debate that they're the best team in the NRL era. They get three in a row and potentially more than that. Like who's to say they're not going to win next year? They're, we're talking about like dragons in the 50s and 60s echelon of greatness in the salary cap era i think so like this is there's two very interesting narratives there we've spoken about a bunch of the tact a bunch of the tactics but now we're talking about predictions uh and i will actually get a a a heart tip from you as well so can i get who are you barracking for like what what result do you want in your heart uh what does your head say with a margin a first try scorer and a player of the match, Clive Churchill medal. Uh, I'll go to you first, Kieran. Who who do you who do you want to win? I suppose in this one. Uh, I quite actually quite. I have not 
uh, very often said this, but I, I quite like the Broncos squad, man to man. Not every player, but most of them. And a lot of people. So I caught the train straight after the um, the Broncos Warriors preliminary final, and a lot of people on that train were saying that oh, Panthers are just going to win though. Like they're they're just the best team by far. And a lot of the talk seems to be that, as Friendy said, it's not about how um, the Broncos can win, but how how the Panthers would lose this or whatever was said um it's yeah basically the pan- a lot of the talk is that the panthers have to lose this for the broncos to win it um it's not a story i really believe uh, i think it's a lot closer than than what's being said so my head is saying broncos i want the broncos to win and i, I think that they will i think it'll be very a very very close run thing though so that could obviously go either way but i'm gonna say the broncos player of the match i think just someone that um has never really not stood up in big games. Is it Patrick Carrigan? So I'm going to go Patrick Carrigan. Broncos by one to six points. Um, so obviously Carrigan will be the Clive. And then was there any other prediction I needed to say? Uh, first try scorer. Uh, first. Um, I'll say Herbie Farnworth. Your man, your man, Herbie Farnworth. Kieran has been on the Herbie Farnworth train since the start of this podcast. Like back in 2020, he's and it's really come to fruition. He's stepped up. Dally M center of the year now, along with uh, Stephen Crichton. He's opposite number. Okay, Broncos with the heart, Broncos with the head. Chris, heart, head. What are you thinking? Uh, always head. I was kidding. Probably cut that. No, no, no. I'm not cutting that. <laughs> The big E can listen to it. Now, it's going to be some, now I, as you may be aware, I am a uh, Penrith Juniors legend, having played for Juneside Roos um, up until I was about 17, 16. And something that I think nice. I don't like Brisbane either. In fact, Brisbane quite pissed me off, the club. Mm. But there's not so many players I dislike on the team where I think Panthers are opposite. I don't like some of the players, but the actual club, I guess I don't have anything specifically against. So, which is, yeah, I don't, and I grew up, when I grew up, Panthers were just shit for ages, like the Matthew Elliott area and whatnot. And it's, it's kind you of need nice to be sitting on a, on a couch for this. <laughs> I am sitting on a couch. It's, it's couch. so conflicting. So conflicting. Uh, Tell us your story. Uh, yeah. And all, all uh, everyone's uh, deeply uh, wondering what I'm going to say next. All our listeners at home. Anyway, <laughs> I think I think I want Penrith to win. I think I've come around to that, which may be surprising. If I have mm. to choose one, if I had a gun to my head, I'm going to say Penrith. Um, if both could lose, that that would be ideal. But <laughs> in terms of in terms of uh, I I'm the opposite to Kieran. I I. I might be a hot take. I actually think the Broncos are going to get dusted. I think I think grand final day for both NRLW and NRL is going to be a bit disappointing. I think if people are expecting a close game. I just think the Broncos are probably going to get blown away a bit. If not immediately, eventually they will. So I'm going to go Penrith by 20. I'm going to go... Uh, Liam Martin, first try scorer, Liam Martin, Clive Churchill. Oh, I, I love the Liam Martin Churchill call. I, I also love the Carrigan one, by the way, but uh, Liam Martin is such a big game player. I, I, I really like Liam Martin. I know he's one of your favorites too. Yeah. Yeah. He's probably, probably, probably top 
top maybe top two favorite players in the whole NRL. I just love the way he plays. He's just a tough bastard. I wish Tigers had at least one of him somewhere. In the juniors, mate. In the juniors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. <laughs> uh, this is like a obvious answers like someone like Nathan Clear or something. But I, yeah, if a moment's Liam Martin, I think he's in for a massive one. I just think he'll be up for the forward um, pack battle. He's running at the halves. But yeah, yeah. I think I think uh, Broncos are going to be in for a long night. I think. So what I'm worried about is like you know three peats an amazing achievement, but if the Broncos are the best challenges they've had, I think. Uh, in the last couple of years, to and if they if they if they destroy the Broncos on the third season that they win the Premiership, I'm worried about like the next five years. Like we could be looking at like four, five in a row, which is just nuts to think of. Friendy, what's the heart say? What does the head say? What are you What are you thinking? The heart says Newcastle, but they're not playing. So <laughs> um, Penrith, Penrith, both heart and head. Uh, I respect greatly what they've done as an organisation and I have never seen a three-peat done in my life so far, so I'd love to see that. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I can't wait for Sunday to watch them, see if they can take that opportunity. Um, it's a very tough thing to be favourites every year. I know people might think, oh, geez, they've got the best side, but I, I don't know. They've had some challenges, especially this year, losing a few players, chorus hour, kick hour. Um, yeah. So, yeah. I'll be going for Penrith. Uh, in terms of the game, um, I think I'll go Penrith by seven, uh, but I think it might be 13 for like the last, say, 15 minutes or so and maybe Brisbane sneak one right at the end or something. But I, I think Penrith will have it wrapped up early-ish. Um, and then I'll go Isaiah Yo, Clive Churchill. Uh, I was having a look earlier today and – I know everyone's talking about what happened in Origin, but I think he's adjusted uh, his game from then, and so is Nathan Cleary. And Isaiah Yo has had 26 runs in his past two. So he's had 52 runs in his past two matches, which are semifinals. Mm. So, um, that, and they both topped the run count for Penrith. And I think that he's thinking now instead of pass, he got a bit pass happy earlier in the year and around Origin. And yep. I believe that he's just thinking run now and they're playing with the three middles and when he can pass, he will later, but he's just thinking run because he gets a little bit more time now to get between defenders because they're trying to yeah jam from a different angle and things like that. So yeah, Isaiah Yo, Clive Churchill uh, and a bit of a favorite for uh, first try. I'm going to go Brian Toto. Uh, he's scored, I think 19 tries or 20 tries now for Penrith this year. Um, on the left-hand side, it rarely gets past Luai. He just, steps inside and has a, an aneurysm. <laughs> so I'll go, yeah, the other side, Brian Toto out on the right the right wing. I'm lucky not to be a, a winger of the year. Like Dallin and Jermaine, I think, are great choices. Yeah. But I, if you ask me who the best winger in the game has been this year, it's still Toto. Yeah, there's no way, Brian. Yeah, there's... No, he, he could dead set. A winger has never won it um, in the Clive Churchill. But if he runs for 200 and something metres, which we know he will, and if he scores two tries, I'm telling you, he could be the first winger to win it. Uh, the other day, gamble responsibly for everyone, but he the odds came out for Clive Churchill and he was $51 and within a day he was into $36. So that he tells you that. On. Yeah. Yeah, well, the, the, it's just too much value. Like the wingers never won it. So realistically, he probably won't. 
But I'll tell you what, if any winger was ever going to, he's the one. And not just going to, but actually really deserve it. Like, cause mm. it's, it's not just the, he's, what, he scored three tries the other day, I think, um, against the Storm. Yeah. But it's like, the, the, the tries weren't the impressive part with Toto. It never is. Like, he, he does score some good tries, but it's never the impressive part. It's the, it's the dogged work and, and the fact that every team kicks away from him. You know, they, they, yeah. they do not want him to have the ball and he still finds it. He still finds 200 meters at least. 200 is probably quiet for him, really. Like, that's yeah. that's where we're at with Toro everywhere. Something, um, something very underrated in his game as well. He takes all the tough runs. I literally can't remember yeah. when he's lost the ball in a tackle. He just never... Yeah. Yeah, he's a great player. I actually have a, a guest pr- prediction from uh, one of our loyal listeners of both Above the Horizontal and... Beers in the sheds. Ben Carlton, friend of the show, he texted me. He was he was furious at Kalen Ponga winning the Dali M. By the way, like we were up to the wee hours uh, <laughs> talking about that, counselling him through it. He needed a catch as well. Uh, he says he's a Broncos fan. So heart Broncos, head Broncos. He said Broncos by five, and this goes into his bold prediction. He thinks that the Panthers will be winning by one, and very late in the game. Reynolds will set up for a field goal, will adjust the plan because he'll be under pressure and find Walsh for a try and that gets converted. So they win by five. So that's the, the hot tip from Ben Carlton. Thought I'd give him a shout out. He's a very loyal listener. So thank you, Ben, for always tuning in and for sending questions and all that sort of stuff. For me personally, uh, with the heart, as I, as I did promise to Ben, because he's like, surely, surely you want the Broncos to win. And I'm like, yes, I, I do. I want the Broncos to win uh, man for man. And it's a bit closer than I thought it was. But man for man, I like the team more. And I just like the narrative of a, of a different team winning. As cool as it is to have a three-peat in our lifetime, like Friendy says, uh, it for me, it's just more interesting if another team wins. So I'm going for the Broncos by heart. With my head, though, I'm going to go for the Panthers. I'm going to go for the Panthers by about eight. I think I think it'll be a good game, uh, but relatively in control for the Panthers. Uh, especially as the game wears on. Uh, and as as for a Churchill, oh, sorry, uh, first try scorer, um, I'm going to hope that Luai passes it uh, to his left center, which I think will be Stephen Crichton, if it's consistent with recent weeks. Uh, Stephen Crichton, as Friendy mentioned in the group chat, uh, has scored in every grand final so far that he's played in, the last three, obviously. So uh, if he can... Score a try on this one. Uh, it might be the first. So I'm going to go with him. Player of the match. Obviously, Clear is a great candidate. Uh, if the Broncos win, it'll be someone like Walsh, probably. Uh, I'm going to go for James Fisher-Harris. I think the... I saw a stat the other day that the Broncos put up on Twitter, actually. And it was a, it was a stats comparison of Haas and Fisher-Harris. And you're comparing run meters, post-contact meters, tackles per game, tackle busts. It makes Fisher-Harris look like a bad footballer <laughs> compared to Payne Haas. Uh, but he's not. I still, I still, in my heart of hearts, believe that Fisher Harris is the best prop in the game uh, because the things that we're not seeing are exactly the kind of things that are going to be needed to shut Walsh down. We spoke about shutting Cleary down is shutting people like Yeo and Edwards down. Shutting Walsh down is again that inside pressure, like winning the ruck battle, the line speed, uh, supporting your front rower so that you can make that extra five meters post contact because you know you're an option for them. Like he's the kind of guy that runs a decoy off Yeo. He's the kind of guy that that, that allows Yeo to be one on one with his defender. Uh, it, it it enables 
you know, and just that, that market chase so that, you know, Reynolds has to rush his kick a little bit more and just, just things like that. If you sit down and watch Fisher Harris, he does that stuff every week. And it's not as flashy and impressive as Haas, but I, he's my favorite front rower. And I, I hope he has a blinder. I hope people recognize his brilliance. And I hope he gets the Clive Churchill medal. Um, that's that's where I'm going to go with that one. So uh, all of us are tipping the Panthers by a significant margin, except for Kieran, who's gone for the Broncos 1-6, to six, and Ben Carlton, of course, uh, who tipped in and uh, the big e as well of course i can't forget the big e boys thank you very much a slightly longer episode today but uh you know with the calls that came in from cleary and walters that just threw our run sheet into the bin for a bit there thanks for that boys um you know we had to sort of adjust but i think we did okay uh friendy what's the plan what are you gonna where are you gonna watch the game from uh i'll be watching at home uh we may have people coming over uh, I don't know. It might be even be Saturday night, but um, yeah, Sunday I'll be watching at home potentially with mates over. Um, and just a quick shout out to my good mate Lawrence Leggy. He's an avid listener of the show. Uh, he's a mad Panther, so yeah, good luck to him and his boys on Sunday. We do love Lawrence. Uh, Lawrence has been there from the very early days as a loyal listener. So shout out to Lawrence indeed, and good luck to the Panthers, mate. Uh, Chris. We were thinking that Kira and I were thinking about driving down to go to the grand final with you, but then we discovered that we could only sit by ourselves for $190 each or as a group, $410 each or become members of one of these clubs. None of these were good options. So we're not going to the grand final together. Where are you going to watch the game from? Uh, yeah, I, th- I think I'm going to a pub near me. To watch with a few mates, uh, two of which I'll give a shout out to Craven, Daniel Craven, and uh, Frank, Frankie Turnbull, two of my good mates who are also Broncos fans. So I think they listen mm-hmm. some of the time to the pod. So they probably think I'm a fuckwit for going with the Panthers, but hey, that that is what it is. So uh, yeah, I'll probably be watching with those two, uh, watching along. Uh, yeah, somewhere with a ale in hand, I think. That sounds good. And Kieran, we should probably hang out and watch it. Yeah, no, I, I plan to come over and watch or whatever we want to do. Um, that'd be good. It'd, it'd be some sort of salvation if, if the Broncos don't win like I want them to, just because of Broncos fans being unbearable as well. It'll be nice to see that mm. then brought down a bit. But um, yeah, I hope the Brisbane Lions win on, on Saturday. That'll be at least some sort of celebration for the, the city. And I do genuinely want the Brisbane Lions to win. Boys, thank you very much for your time today. Uh, a big shout out to Miles Stebman. Now, this we, we probably will do a bit of a grand final wrap kind of thing because we'll, we'll also have the Kangaroos team named next week uh, for the upcoming internationals. But then we're probably going to have a bit of a break uh, before we get into things like season reviews and previews and things like that. So uh, a big shout out to everybody that listened this week. We had uh, an increase in numbers gradually throughout the season, which I'm very happy with. Uh, I've always said that... If we only have five people listening, you know, that's still five people that chose to be in the room to listen to you. You know, they still made the effort to listen to you. And that's pretty cool. We, we get a lot more than five, which I'm very happy with. And the numbers are slowly growing. So uh, thank you, boys, for your efforts, including Miles, including the Big E. Uh, thank you to all the listeners that uh, that make this fun and worthwhile. And uh, hopefully we have a really great grand final. Like we've, some of us are predicting a, a big blowout there. But if we can if we can have a really great couple of grand finals, uh, I think it'll be great to talk about next week on Above the Horizontal. But until then... Above the Horizontal is a rugby league podcast by the fans and for the fans. 
It's produced by our entire team of former writers for Real Sport, including Daniel Friend, Christopher Waring, Miles Stebbin, Kieran Gibson, and me, Bo Nicholson. We'd love it if you could support us by telling a rugby league fan about us so they can go above the horizontal as well. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Art changes over time. This might feel weird to say because the art itself doesn't physically change, but if we agree that art tells us something about the world around us, what happens to that art once the world has changed? This is the question we try to answer on Movieversaries, a film podcast on the We Made This Network. I'm the host, Bo Nicholson, and in each episode, my guests and I celebrate and reevaluate films on significant anniversaries. We examine films from all over the world through a critical lens to determine if they stand the test of time by exploring their themes, performances, and techniques. This year, our focus is on movies made in years ending in three. So far, we've covered the avant-garde classic Meshes of the Afternoon from 1943. On the other end of the spectrum, how does the technical marvel Jurassic Park hold up 30 years later? We also delve into other iconic films of their time, such as King Kong from 1933, Eight and a Half from 1963, and Return of the Jedi from 1983. From European art house to action, comedy, and horror, if a film is celebrating a significant anniversary, we're discussing it. Don't miss out. Subscribe to Movieversaries now, wherever you get your podcasts.